Hello, and welcome to Macro Minutes. During each episode, we'll be joined by RBC Capital Markets experts to provide high conviction insights on the latest developments in financial markets and the global economy. Please listen to the end of this recording for important disclosures. Welcome to our first edition of Macro Minutes in 2024, titled Too Good to be True. This session is recorded on the 9th of January, 2024, and my name is Peter Schaffrick. I shall be your host for today's edition. Bond and equity markets have rallied sharply at the tail end of 23, essentially based on a soft landing scenario that sees inflation back at target as early as Q2, 24 in most cases, while growth is weakening, but not descending into a fully-fledged recession. This scenario would allow central banks to cut rates, according to current market pricing, as early as March or April, and will see up to 150 basis point of rate cuts before the year is out, from the Fed and the ECB respectively, with other central banks, such as the Bank of England, following hard on their heels. That being said, early in 24, most parts of the financial market struggle to continue this theme, and we think for good reasons. Incoming data was not as weak as some might have hoped for, particularly in Europe. Central bank speakers have been rowing back some of the more dovish rhetoric that we've seen and heard at the end of 23, and the fully expected bond supply wave seems to have left some footprints into the market nevertheless. 10-year bonds deals have now risen 25 to 30 basis points, depending on where you look, and equity markets have also given back some of the gains. To make some sense of why these moves came about, I'm once again joined by a full suite of RBC experts, and I'm sure we will all benefit from their insights. We'll start with Blake Quinn to talk about the US and the Treasury market, followed by Gordon Scott, who's going to fill us in on some of the recent data releases coming out of Europe. Jason Doerr will tell us what the story is in Canada, and our special guest today, Andrea Marchegiano, will walk us through the early days of the credit market, and particularly how the strong primary market pipeline has been digested. And with that, I'll hand it over to Blake. So I kind of wanted to do two things uh, with my time today. One is just kind of level set, give a you know brief overview of some of the kind of updates you were just mentioning, given that it's been a decent gap since the last one of these calls that we've recorded. And then second, talk briefly about the Fed's quantitative tightening program or QT, just given that that has jumped back into the narrative over the last week. So first on kind of what we're seeing in markets right now, you know, after the so-called pivot at the FOMC meeting in mid-December, tens broke below 4%, ground lower in to year end, as markets started to pull forward the timing of the start of the cutting cycle. Of course, this move was happening against a backdrop of very low liquidity, holiday trading conditions. So it's easy to kind of dismiss it a bit. And sure enough, as markets came back in after the year turn started to hit reset, we saw yields pop back above 4%. And they seem to be holding in a fairly tight range around that level, at least to start this week. Markets have seemed to you know, largely wave away uh, a lot of the post-FOMC comments from Fed officials that, at least in our view, haven't really been indicating any type of urgency around getting the cutting cycle started, even if the conversation uh, about starting that cutting cycle has started. Pricing for a March cut has come off a bit since just after the December FOMC, but we're still showing greater than a 50% probability and 2024 year end showing more than five total cuts compared to the three that are shown in the median Fed SCP dot. 
I think when we look at the data that's happened over that time, we've characterized recent data as pretty consistent with our call for a soft landing. We've had evidence of further cooling and inflation. Labor market data has been holding in despite a continued reduction in tightness. We'll get another read on inflation later this week with the release of December CPI. We're looking for a month-over-month core print, just a hair below consensus. We, we have a high 0.2% month-over-month versus Bloomberg consensus is looking at a 0.3%. So a bit softer there than consensus. Overall, nothing we've seen, though, over the last month, either in the Fed speak I was discussing or the data, has really materially shifted the views that we outlined in our 2024 year ahead late last year. And if anything, the modest shift in Fed rhetoric since the December FOMC, I think, really served to even out the balance of risks around our call for a gradual adjustment-minded cutting cycle kicking off in June. As I mentioned, we haven't really seen any signs of urgency where we would expect the Fed was trying to set up a March cut. Like I said, I think they've started that discussion process, but nothing they've said thus far, I think, really serves as a deliberate attempt to get the markets pricing in that March cut. So we haven't really pulled forward our cut from June, but I do think the odds of an earlier start are about now even with those of a, of a later start relative to that June call. Similarly with rates, um, I think yields may be able to hold on to relatively tight ranges into the January FMC. More markets in the Fed likely going to have to start moving after that point more decisively in one direction or the other for the March meeting. But until then, I think we can hold and chop within these uh, relatively tight ranges. Um, turning to the second thing I want to discuss, I think interestingly, this last week has seen the market conversation focus more on the Fed's balance sheet policy than rate policy for the first time in a very long time. QT, the quantitative tightening process, received some airtime in the December minutes that were released last week, and that was followed by a pretty detailed speech on the topic from Dallas Fed President Lori Logan over the weekend. Both of those things served to really get markets discussing this topic a lot over the last few sessions. After Nearly a year with QT running largely on autopilot, meaning it got very little attention from either the Fed or markets. I think these mentions in both the minutes and by Lori Logan over the weekend represent a shift towards increased vigilance as the Fed is now trying to figure out how they're going to run down the program and, and when they might initiate that process and end the balance sheet rundown. The conversation, you know, as it arrives, triggered a pretty large rise in swap spreads as well, as markets started to contemplate the impacts of an earlier NTQT on treasury supply and funding markets. Very similar to the view that I outlined just a second ago with rates, I think the shift that we've seen in market expectations around QT over the last few sessions actually is bringing the market more in line with our prior view than the other way around. We've long expected QT program to end around June 2024, which was a lot earlier than I think most forecasters out there. All else equal, the earlier QT ends, the less replacement issuance Treasury will have to do, and the more positive it is for spreads. Also, I think, uh, aside from the supply impacts, if the Fed is going to be more sensitive to funding markets and, and really proactive to avoid any September 2019 type of repo blowout, that's also likely net positive for spreads. So, you know, we've written two pieces over the last week to go into this topic in much more depth. Given the limited time here, I, I would urge all of you to, to check those pieces out for our more in-depth comments. Thank you, Blake. Very interesting and detailed as always. Um, let's move over to Europe and uh, I'll give the floor to Gordon. Since the new year, we've um, had a number of data points which have pointed to a stabilization in the euro area economy. This started with the bank lending data published last week. This showed quite a large increase in euro area bank lending in November, the three months over three months pace of bank lending rising to its highest level since November 2022. While half of this increase was driven by lending to other financial corporations, 
We've also seen an uptick in lending to both households and businesses, with both on a three-month-over-three-month basis back in positive territory. This improvement in loan growth is particularly notable as both we and the ECB had expected weak loan growth to drag on investment spending in 2024. Indeed, we thought that the main area of upside support to growth next year would come from consumption. But nonetheless, the potential improvement in bank lending and hence investment represents a potential source of upside risk to our and the ECB's growth projections. We've also seen as well an improvement, indeed stabilization, in the survey data. This started with the PMI release where we saw quite a large upward revision to the December estimate. This unwound and reversed um, the decline seen um, between the uh, November um, release and the December flash estimate, um, and in turning that picture on its head. We also saw an improvement as well in the Euro Area Economic Sentiment Indicator, um, which measures business and consumer confidence. This saw a large jump in December with the improvement broad-based across sectors. We've now seen three consecutive months of improvement in the Euro Area Economic Sentiment Indicator, with services in particular, um, particularly firm, um, having risen back to its highest level um, since April. Lastly, I'd highlight the Euro Area Labour Markets data um, that we got this week. This showed unemployment falling to 6.4%, its lowest level on record. Thus, the Euro Area Labour Market continues to remain resilient. Putting all this together, where does that leave us? We still think that growth is likely to have been relatively weak in Q4. We're looking for a 0.1% Q over Q contraction. That being said, the data is now providing clear signs that the momentum in activity has started to turn and indeed that we're seeing a stabilization. This should provide um, the ECB with scope to continue its patient approach to watch and monitor um, the the developments in underlying inflation. Thank you, Gordon. That's uh, very, very insightful and uh, I guess gives us a bit of a glimmer of hope. Um, let's go back to North America. And uh, Jason, what are we seeing in Canada? So there's three topics related to Canada that I want to touch on. And these are related to both your introductory comments on bond yields and Blake's on the Fed and QT. So the first is Bank Canada policy. Um, so we don't have a big disagreement at the moment with the directional shift that's happened in market pricing over the past two months. So if you recall that back uh, in October, the market was only pricing around 50 basis points of cuts in 2024. And now it's closer to 100, 125. And we think, you know, for a long time now that the bank would cut 100 basis points this year. But the biggest pushback we have with market pricing is not uh, the direction or magnitude, but rather the timing. So uh, March has adjusted back closer to reality, in our opinion. But April seems a bit too early from our lens uh, for the bank uh, to cut rates unless the data deteriorates um, more than what our current uh, forecast assumes. So our base case is the first move happening in June. The second topic I wanted to touch on is bond yields. Now, these have been closely linked to two factors over the past few years. One is market expectations for the peak in the policy cycle. And the second is rate cut pricing one year forward. And when you look at it from that standpoint, from a valuation perspective, twos and fives, they look a little bit rich. Tens and thirties, a little bit cheap based on this methodology. Nothing dramatic, but still some deviations versus rate cut pricing uh, in general. 
But I do think that the onus is still now on the data to be consistently weak to justify the current rate cut pricing and the bond yield levels that we're seeing. And it does seem like the path of least resistance is for the uh, more recent sell-off in the past couple of weeks to extend a bit further before we can get another leg lower throughout the year. The last topic I want to mention is funding pressures in Canada, which are elevated historically and especially uh, high compared to what we're seeing in the U.S. For some context, Cora has set well above the overnight rate for some time now, and the Bank of Canada has started overnight repo operations to, to provide liquidity. Simon Dealey, my team, he's been ahead of the curve on the topic, and I encourage anyone interested to reach out to him or read his publications. But in a nutshell, uh, we're not surprised by recent funding pressures. We did think for a long time now that links balances could not get as low as what the Bank of Canada thought before QT needed to be abandoned. Previously, we did think that um, the bank would need to end QT, start regular purchases and possibly term repos in Q2. Given the uh, overnight repo operations they've been conducting and upcoming sizable maturities, the bank could announce an end to QT uh, possibly as early as the next policy meeting on January the 24th. We think it's going to be difficult for them to continue with full passive QT through the uh, large April 1st maturity schedule. For some context, $37 billion uh, in bonds mature, for which the Bank of Canada holds uh, $23 billion of those. So that'll bring the links balances down uh, quite significantly at that time. Um, so therefore, we expect an end to QT by uh, early March at the latest. Thank you, Jason. I think funding pressure is a good segue for our last speaker. Andrea, how's the credit market looking, particularly against the backdrop of the early primary market activity? You mentioned at the start of the call, uh, the large recovery in uh, rates into the end of uh, last year. Well, in uh, European credit uh, has enjoyed an even stronger recovery into the end of last year due to the, to the compound effect of both rates and credit spreads tightening at the same time. To give an idea of the extent of the move we saw in credit, ITRAX main, which is the major and most liquid indicator for credit sentiment in Europe, has traded at an average of 75 basis points throughout 2023, reaching 90 basis points as recently as October, before collapsing tighter and closing the year inside 60 basis points, which is a level we haven't seen since January 2022. The end of the year rally provided a perfect condition for issuers to come to the market at the start of this year, taking advantage of attractive funding levels Historically, January has always been a period of uh, very high supply, but the pace that we've seen so far is even stronger than what we normally see, particularly in, uh, in credit denominated in euros. Due to this heavy and concentrated amount of issuance, uh, spreads have, have seen a, a sharp retracement wider with ITRAX bouncing back to 65 basis points and cash faring even a lot worse particularly in terms of spread versus swaps, which is, uh, brings me to an interesting point, which is Eurocredit as a product is generally benchmark versus boons. But as we see boons underperform swaps, credit bonds also suffer. Hence, due to uh, the compound effect of both these swap spreads tightening and the heavy issuance that we see, uh, that's left cash credit looking locally pretty attractive on a swap spread basis. Taking a step back, though, looking at things on a broader time horizon, 
65 basis points on ITRAX is still the tightest level that we have seen in over two years when it averaged closer to 85 basis points. Broader macro condition, of course, have improved as discussed over recent quarters with inflation coming down nicely and growth not being as bad as some feared. Hence, we wouldn't expect credit to really reprise significantly wider from here, but equally the current levels really don't leave much room for error. Fantastic. Thank you, everyone. If I maybe um, conclude and summarize a little bit, I mean, the data has been stabilizing, uh, as we heard from both Blake as well as Gordon and Jason. The market repricing that we've seen, we therefore think is justified, maybe even has a little bit further to run. We do question a little bit the timings in particular of the first rate cuts. Um, we heard that from Blake, we heard it from Gordon, and we heard it from Jason. Um, and even though we don't necessarily question in some cases the magnitude, such as in Canada, the timing certainly looks a bit early what the market is pricing, and we would um, probably look for further correction here. Funding pressures remain a theme, particularly in the credit market, as we just heard from Andrea. But overall, in an environment where fixed income doesn't really seem to be falling out of bed, we wouldn't necessarily expect a significant underperformance going forward. So I think that sets us up nicely for the year. That gives us loads to get our heads around. And we're pretty sure in the next editions that we're going to have, we will follow up with some of these themes. So with that, um, I hope everyone had a good start in 2024. Thank you for joining us today and hope you're going to join us again in our next edition of Macro Minutes. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.